Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. I'm Pastor Bill. For those of us who we haven't met each other yet, um, today's a good day. All right, we're, we're, we're going to rejoice in that because God made it. All right, we're going to be happy about that for sure. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you about a bad day. All right, rewind the tape a little bit. Go back when I was in fifth grade, just a few short years ago, of course. All right, go back to fifth grade. Mrs. Schneider was my teacher, and she was really nice. She was really kind to me. All right, she, was, she would always help me if I needed help. She was very inspiring, very creative. She was like the best fifth grade teacher ever. Okay, well, she was gone one day. We had a substitute teacher. So um, substitute teacher comes in, and that is a day that I had a lot of fun. Probably the best way to say it, though, is like this. I misbehaved pretty badly at that point. Um, So badly, in fact, and I'll spare you the details, um, but so badly that at lunchtime, the substitute teacher, she quit. And the principal of our elementary school, he came in and he subbed for us the rest of the day. All right, listen, it was, it was not a good situation. Um, but no worries. Mrs. Schneider, she liked me. We were friends. All right, it'll be fine. Well, fact of the matter is this. Um, she, uh, she, she did like me. All right, um, we were friends, right? Um, but she was also my teacher. All right. And, and things weren't fine. I actually got in a lot of trouble that day. You see, I was thinking and I was behaving like she was my teacher. All right. But what I failed to realize, what I failed to remember was this, that when she came back, she was going to be my teacher again. All right. How was I so blind? All right, just operating according to the past and not considering the future. How was I so blind? Um, well, there are good answers to that. One of them is I was a 10-year-old boy. Okay, that was one reason. But another reason is I just didn't think about it, and I should have. All right, now, that same type of blindness or ignorance or, or just wrong thinking actually is pretty common for most Christians. Uh, take me, for example. Um, One thing that I'm usually really good at remembering is Jesus came, Jesus lived, and he died for my sins. On the third day, he rose from the grave, and right now, he's in heaven. I'm really good at remembering that, but what I'm not so good at remembering, what I don't think about all that often, is that Jesus is coming back. Let me say it this way. I'm really good at remembering that Jesus came, but I'm not really good at remembering that Jesus is coming back. Back. All right. Spoiler alert. Jesus is coming back. He said so in his word. If you want to read like a lot of detail about it, check out Matthew 24 and 25. Those two chapters in particular are super uh, enlightening, I guess would be the best way to say it. All right. Give you some more detail. But he also said it's his last recorded words to us in the Holy Scriptures in Revelation 22, verse 20. He says this. Yes, I am coming soon. In fact, in his word, he says it um, over 300, and this is a conservative number, by the way. He says it over 300 times. There's reference, sometimes explicit mention 
of his returning, all right? Now, that's something that I just wasn't aware of for a little while, all right? Maybe you're in that boat right now. Like, like are you aware of this fact that Jesus is coming back? Not only did he come, but he's coming back. Are you aware of that? Check this out. This rope here represents eternity, all right? This is like time. You can think of it as time, although that's not the best word. It represents eternity. That way is eternity past. It goes on forever, right? Outside the camera shot, all that, right? What's up online, folks? Love you, all right? And then it goes this way. Eternity goes this way. Eternity future. And then check this out. This right here. All right, we're gonna go right here. This white section, this white tape, represents the current creation, all right? The green here, for example, is green, like, like trees, and God creation, think creation, all right? So this green line, God created. This is the beginning of the known universe, okay? Um, and, and then there's this space here, and then the red, uh, remember, the white is all of the known creation. This is what what uh, our current timeline. The red is when Jesus came the first time, red for Jesus' blood. This is where he lived, all right, for uh, about 39 years or so, and then he died, and he, all right, so that's the red, his first coming. And then the black represents his second coming, all right? And see this space in between here, just a tiny, tiny space right there? Um, those are in between his first coming and his second coming. This is called the last days. And this is where we are right now. We, we are in between his first advent and his second advent. That's why we can say with certainty that we are currently in the last days. Now, in 2 Peter, which is where we're gonna turn here in a second, in 2 Peter, Peter is writing to an audience that is also living in the last days, all right? Just like we are. So let's turn there right now. Let's turn to 2 Peter. Let's go to chapter number three. That's where we're going to spend our time today. Turn there in your Bible. It's way at the end, like probably 35, 40 pages before the end of, you know, your Bible. All right, go ahead and turn there. If you're on your phone, go to your YouVersion app. That's where you see your verse of the day, right? Uh, and, and just go to 2 Peter. Again, chapter three is where we're going to hang out. Peter is writing to believers, all right, he's writing to believers that uh, they're really familiar with this fact that Jesus came the first time, all right? It, it, was, it was common knowledge to them. In fact, it was just a few years before the letter was written to them. They're like, yeah, Jesus came for sure, all right? Um, but what they weren't good at remembering or realizing was this, that he's coming back, all right? So, so Peter is write, writing them because they need help uh, remembering that. One of the reasons they need uh, uh, help re re uh, remembering this is because they're under persecution, all right? They're being targeted and treated differently and poorly because of the fact they are Christians, all right? So they're experiencing persecution, all right? And they're also experiencing false teaching. There's a lot of bad teaching, bad theology that, that is being taught to them. People are coming in and teaching this goofy theology, and, and Peter's like, man, I got to help. Not only are they feeling the weight of persecution, but they're also, man, they're, they're at a high risk to being deceived, all right, and, and, and falling to error, okay, and that sort of thing, being carried or swept away in error. So Peter's just trying to help them with that. They're not thinking clearly, which means this, they're not living properly 
either, all right? Now, how you think matters, all right? Because right knowledge, all right, right information, right thinking produces, check this out, right living and right worship. That's why it's so important for us to remain in the word. If I don't have the right things that God is putting into my mind, into my heart, right? If I don't have that, if I don't have that right knowledge, I, I can't live right. No right knowledge, no right living, right? No right knowledge, no right worship. We gotta remain in the word. It's vital. How you think matters and how you live matters also, okay? You were made to worship. You were made to make a difference. And that's why it's so important that you surround yourself in a community of faith with other Christian believers, okay? You gotta get in there because how else is iron gonna sharpen iron, all right? How else are you gonna sharpen one another like iron sharpens iron, all right? How else are you gonna spur one another on to good works? How else are you gonna be held accountable, right? If, if you're not in that community of faith by attending regular church, by being in a small group, by being a part of the dream team or on some kind of serve team, right? You're just, you're not a part of that community and you won't grow in the ways that God has, has made available to you and desires for you and is leading for you to grow in. You, you won't have access to those things. It's so important. Listen, and Peter is helping. Peter's writing to help them, his audience, and he's writing to help us as it relates to right thinking and as it relates to holy living, right? If we live only as if Jesus came, but not like he's coming back. Man, it's time to adjust our thinking. It's time to make a change, all right? But before we get into God's word together, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Um, it is a good word that you've given to us. You did not have to give it, but you did. We say thank you. God, I pray that today in these precious few minutes, God, by your grace, we're able to share together through online. God, thank you for the gift of technology. God, you've been so good. God, I pray that we would hear from you in these minutes. I pray that we would not only hear from you, but we would understand what you're trying to tell us. And Father, I pray again by your grace that we might respond. Father, that we might respond, Lord, that we might receive you, that we might receive your grace and God, even in light of your second coming, God, that we might respond by living a life, God, that honors you, a life of worship. God, be glorified in this time we share together and also in the thereafter. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, awesome. So let's turn to 2 Peter. You're already there. Chapter 3. And tell you what we're going to do. We're just going to read the whole chapter. All right, we're just going to read it. All 18 verses. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. We won't talk about it all, but we'll do our best, all right? Here we go. Peter writes, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. All right? Again, how you think matters. All right? Right thinking and right knowledge produce right living and right worship. All right, we just said it a few minutes ago. Peter's saying it right here. It's a beautiful truth. Verse two, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Listen, the whole Bible speaks of something and it's the return of Christ. All right, the prophets said it in the past. 
Jesus said in the present, the apostles are saying it in the present, and they're, they're going to be saying it in the future, all right? It's all passed to us, but to the audience, it's, it's again, just this. God's entire word speaks of, hey, Jesus is coming back, all right? Verse 3, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised? Like, like, where's Jesus coming back? I don't see it, all right? Where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But these scoffers, right, they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, that's, those, that's key right there, they deliberately forget by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. All right, God spoke them into existence, ex nihilo, all right, out of nothing. He spoke it and it was so. Verse six, by these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, right? We're talking about God's words now. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord, like when Christ returns, okay? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, unexpectedly. All of a sudden, whoa, the day of the Lord is here. The heavens will disappear with a roar. These are the things that happen when Christ returns. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements like hydrogen, oxygen, copper, I'm not going to name all of them, right? Francium. Anyways, all right, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Huh? Verse 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, like all the things we just talked about, all the things, Peter's like, all the things I just wrote, right? In light of those things, what kind of people ought you to be? It's a great question. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. Now, Paul writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand which ignorant and unstable people, those are the scoffers we talked about a little earlier, all right, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Verse 17, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. 
but now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Woo. A lot of good stuff there, right? <laughs> Let's dive into verse three, where talk, Peter's talking about scoffers, okay? He's like, in these last days, scoffers, they're gonna be present, all right? Scoffers were present. Again, there's these, they are the false teachers who are teaching this bad theology, all right? They were present then, they're present now. So what exactly are scoffers, all right? Scoff, excuse me, scoffers are this. They're people with evil desires. They're people who live evil lifestyles. And they're people who teach and encourage others to do evil things, all right? They ignore the truth of God's word on purpose. What they think and what they say kind of sounds like this. It's in this genre, all right? Never mind what God said. Does that sound vaguely familiar? Perhaps it does, and let me tell you why. In the Garden of Eden, like way back, like, like in this green part right here, <laughs> all right, very near the green part, if it's in the light, the devil, right, that serpent of old, you know what he said to Eve and to Adam? He said this, did God really say? All right, so, so the devil takes God's word and he distorts it or he discounts it, okay? And that's exactly what scoffers do. You can, you can see that they are cut from the same cloth, all right? The, the devil himself, like the, the, the powers of darkness are energizing the scoffers in their agenda and what they do and what they say, okay? Listen, it's the same thing. These scoffers say, never mind what God said. They say this, never mind actual history, never mind logic, never mind common sense, all right? And instead, they teach lies, lies that they make up, lies that they manufacture, lies that they love. But listen, God, what he says, it's true. All right, so, so when God says something, it happened. It's, it's accurate. It's reliable. When God says something is going to happen, guess what? It's going to happen. God is truth. What he says is true. The flood, for example, which is referenced right here in 2 Peter, the flood actually happened. Yeah, God's judgment is a real thing. A lot of people doubted it, but eight people did not. All right? God's judgment is real. And Jesus, by the way, because a lot of people say this, that, that God's not even real. All right? We'll get to that in a second. But, but, but Jesus didn't really exist. Well, here's what I would say. Jesus is real. He was a real person about 2,000 years ago. He walked the planet Earth. That is extra biblically evidenced, all right? It, it's a common fact for anyone worth their weight in salt. They know a person, Jesus, walked the planet. They know he did miracles. Nobody dis disputed the fact that he did miracles. The only thing they disputed was what, what, where did the power to do those miracles come from, okay? But, but the miracles happened, right? So not only was Jesus real, not only did he do miracles, he also really died. A person named Jesus really died in AD 33. They died on a Roman cross. Now we know the fuller story of it, that he died to save us. He died for the sins of the world. And you know what else we know? 
Jesus, he's coming back. And when he does, the heavens and the earth and all that is in them, they will be judged. God says so here in 2 Peter. We just read it. We got some details, all right? And again, it's throughout his word. Jesus is coming back. Now, why? Why does God give us these, these spoilers? Why? It's, it's, I would say I would narrow it down to like two big reasons. The first one is this. He gives us spoilers throughout his word, not just in 2 Peter, but he gives us spoilers to warn us and protect us from something coming in the future. Danger a lot of times, okay? He wants his people, the people who, who are familiar with what he says, the one who value him and value his words, he wants his people to be protected against any of that coming danger. He wants them to make a change if a change needs to be made. And here's another reason. He wants to inspire hope. All right. Now, Revelation is a great example of this. The entire letter of Revelation is a glimpse into the future, right, of, of, of things to come so that we might make some changes. But also in that, like we just said, it inspires hope because we see who wins. We see who the victor is. We see that God emerges victorious and really that everything is going to be all right. It's going to get a little rough in there, but things are going to be all right. And we can have hope and we can have confidence. And listen, we can have comfort and we can even have joy. That's something that, man, some of those details make me a little uncomfortable and uneasy, but I can look forward to that. I can be joyful and happy about that because God said it and it's true and that good is coming. Okay, we can do that. Now, getting back to the scoffers, sometimes scoffers make right observations. All right, they, they look at something, they make a right observation, but they come to a wrong conclusion. All right, let's take an example from today. We hear this one all the time. I've asked this question, as I imagine every single one of us has at some point, or you've wondered about it, and here's what it is. All right, here's the right observation. There's some pretty terrible things that happen. Like a lot of bad things happen here in the world. Here is the wrong conclusion. God's not real. Or if he is real, he doesn't care. All right? So, so you see how that's at odds with God's word because John 3.16, God tells us in John 3.16 that God does care. God, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. All right? So, so God cares tremendously. He sent his son that if we have faith in him, that he'll rescue us out of this junkyard and paradise awaits us in the future. As, as beautiful, he cares like no one else has ever cared or loved. All right? That's the truth. Now, now one of the, the right observations from God's word in 2 Peter specifically is this. All right? The right observation is Jesus hasn't come back yet. The wrong conclusion is this. He's never coming back, all right? But he will, because again, God says it to be so. And when people say Jesus is not coming back, right? Because people said it then, people still say it now. There's scoffers then, there's still scoffers now. All right, perhaps there's more scoffers now than ever before, by the way. But when people say Jesus is not coming back, let's unpack that for a second. What's all in that term or that claim, that, that falsity of Jesus is not coming back? Well, it's this. Jesus doesn't keep his promises because he said he's coming back. So if he's not coming back, guess what? He's a liar and Jesus doesn't keep his promises. All right. That's what's in there. Another thing we can unpack from that claim, Jesus is not coming back, is this. All right. You've got nothing to worry about. 
just keep living, all right? Just keep living like, like Christ came. Just, just, just keep doing your thing, all right? Keep sinning. You're forgiven, all right? Like, it's, fi- it's fine, okay? You're fine. He loves you, right? We love hearing that. It's true. It sounds good. It makes me feel fuzzy and a little bit warm inside. Like, totally true. It's just, it's not the full truth. That's, that's the danger there, right? Okay? But, but hey, Jesus came. He loves you. Everything will be fine. Like, it's all good. Keep pursuing your own happiness, all right? You've heard this before. Everyone has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? And, and you see how, how sneaky that gets in sometimes. That's in the fabric of our Constitution of the United States, by the way, right? Right? And you see how just, it's so like sneaky how this stuff gets in. And all of a sudden I'm pursuing my own happiness instead of what God says in his word. He says this, if you want to follow me, you've got to die. You got to pick up your cross and then you can follow me. Pick up your cross daily, by the way, not just once, right? So you see, these things are kind of at odds with one another, pursuing my own happiness before I die to myself, pick up my cross and follow Jesus, right? And to do that in a daily fashion. So you, you gotta be careful with this, all right? So Jesus is not coming back. The unpacking of that is, hey, Jesus came, you're all good. And you don't have to, another part of it is, you don't have to live, right? You can, you can live like you came, but you don't have to live like he's coming back. You don't have, like, you can just hang out in this sweet spot right here and and be looking towards the red the whole time. You don't ever have to acknowledge the black. It's all good. You're you're fine. Listen, there's there's no concern, right? Don't even even waste your time thinking about it, okay? It's it's all good, all right? There's no mission, right? Never mind the fact that Luke 19.10, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Never mind that at the very end of the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, particularly verses 19 and 20, where he gives the great commission. He says, hey, go into uh, all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. I'm with you till the end of the age when I come back, I'm with you, okay? Never mind that he, he had this mission and that he gives us a submission that's a part of that. Never mind that, all right? So, so when somebody says, Jesus is not coming back, all right, they're saying no concern, no mission, and no urgency, by the way. In Matthew 24, one of the things we see is there's, there's gonna be these dominoes falling into place and they can fall quite rapidly. Check it out. You're going to love it, okay? Um, well, you might not like it, but, but it's, it's all good. Jesus wins in the end, okay? Remember that. But, but you read this, and then he says, uh, I think it's verse, uh, it's in the 30s, all right? 33, I think. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm at the gate. When you see these things take place, behold, I'm at the gate. And, and, and the picture there in our minds is he's at the gate, and he's just ready. He's ready to, cut. like, he's just ready. As soon as his dad says go, he's like, I'm, I'm there, I'm ready. And he, and he, and he comes back, Okay? So there is urgency according to the word, but when someone says Jesus is is not coming back, they're stripping the urgency from the very message that God speaks to us in his entire word. And by the way, this last point, what's all able to be unpacked from that claim that Jesus isn't coming back? There's no consequence. I can live however I want, and it's, it's, it's not going to make a difference. As long as I look, right, Jesus, you came, and I just live according to that, there's no consequence for how, how I live my life or how I think or how I behave or how I treat people. There's no con- And that is so far from the truth. God tells us over and over and over again, even in 2 Peter, we're going to get there in a second, 
Your life, how you live makes, it matters. You were made to worship. You were made to make a difference. It matters, all right? So when scoffers say he's not coming back, we say, yeah, right. He is coming back. Jesus does keep his promises. He said he's coming back, which means he's coming back. And how you and I choose to live our lives in light of this fact, in light of his second coming, man, it makes a difference. He is waiting. Make no mistake. He hasn't come back because he's waiting. He died and he paid. In so doing, he paid for the sins of the world. Listen, let's just pause there for a heartbeat. He paid for, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He paid for all sins past, all sins present, all sins future. All the sins are paid for. They just haven't been activated towards, that, that forgiveness that he offers hasn't been activated towards the individual if they don't receive Jesus. God did all the work. It's done. We just need to turn to him to get that activated, that forgiveness activated. His blood is that powerful. He's waiting for people. Like, why is he so patient? He's waiting for people who haven't turned to him yet to turn to him, to simply believe and trust in him. He's waiting not only for unbelievers, but he's waiting for believers. He's waiting for for his church, right? There's good news. There's this message that that God did something. Jesus died for our sins, that, that reconciliation or closeness to God is available, that heaven is literally at our fingertips if we'll just believe and receive, right? So that good news, God is waiting for his church to bring that message of good news to people who don't know it yet. God is waiting for his church, his believers, to bring people who don't know it yet to that good news. I'm talking about inviting people to church, all right? God is waiting for his church to start doing things. So so, so he's waiting. How is God gonna reach the world? Through his church. How is God gonna reach your neighbor, your friend, your family member? Through you, all right? And that's something just like, just to process, if you've not processed that, like, oh, I'm appointed by God to tell people about the good news. Man, it's a game changer, isn't it? Mm. All right. Patience. We see this in verse 15. God's patience, the patience of Christ, it's salvation. When Christ returns, he's returning to judge. All right. And we see in verse 11, in light of his return, in light of the coming judgment, in light of the new heavens and the new earth, man, just look forward to that. God, all of this stuff, you're going to make it new and it's going to be perfect. God, in light of those things that are coming, God, through Peter, asks us this. How ought we to be living? All right, what kind of people ought we to be? We should be living holy, godly lives. Because one day, perhaps very soon, maybe even today, we're going to stand before him in eternity. And that's a day that we can look forward to, all right? His coming, right? That judgment and the new creation. We can look forward to that day because in that day, righteousness will reign. We see that as well, right? In verse 13. Verse 14, Peter tells us, right? God through Peter tells us, hey, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless 
and in right relationship, at peace, he says, with him, with Christ. Not only with each other, but with him. So like when God shows up, when Jesus returns, all right, that we might be living a life in accordance with how he is leading us to live, how he has told us to live, how he is with us and wants us to live, that we might be abiding or remain connected to him. Ah, oh, so good, so good. Patience, again, verse 15, his patience is salvation. His patience is not only salvation for unbelievers, that they still have time. They don't have much time, but we still have time all right, those of us who are unbelievers, to turn to him to be saved from the penalty of sin. All right, but his patience is salvation even for those who do know him. Because even though there's not much time, there still is time for us to turn to him. Maybe it's been a little while, right? But to turn to him and be saved from the power of sin, right? To be connected to him again. How sweet it is to be connected to Christ and to remain connected to him. Listen, you've been alerted, all right, so that you can be on guard, that you wouldn't fall, all right, that you wouldn't be deceived, that you wouldn't, you know, be in bad shape. Peter is warning us to be on guard and to grow in our faith. Now, wouldn't it have been great if back in the fifth grade, all right, I did more than think about how Mrs. Schneider was my teacher, all right? Wouldn't it have been great if I would have done more than just remember how much she liked me, right? What if I would have remembered to live like Mrs. Schneider was going to be my teacher and that she was going to be returning, all right? Wouldn't it have been great if I could have like, like acted in a way that, that made her happy, all right? There were students, listen, let's break it down. There were students in that classroom that I could have helped, could help. They needed help. I could have helped them, right? But you know what I did instead? I did them a disservice. I did the opposite of helping them. I led them into misbehavior, okay? There were students I could have helped, but I acted like a class clown, like I loved doing. And uh, instead of bringing honor to my teacher and pleasing her, I brought dishonor to her. I hurt other students, and I displeased her, all right? Because if I would have helped students, that would have made her so happy, she would have came back. Imagine that joy that, that I could have felt knowing that she came back and she was so proud of me. Like, Billy, oh, this is great. You know, like, like you really helped. I'm so proud of you, the way you conducted yourself while I was gone. Think of, I mean, I thought the relationship was great, right? Student, student or teacher-student relationship was great. Imagine how much better it could have been, right? If I just would have lived not only like she was my teacher, but again, like she was going to be my teacher when she came back. Now, what if we lived? All right, let's turn it back on us. What if we lived not only like Christ came, but like he's coming back, right? He is, you know, and we can help people too, right? Now that we all see, now that we believe that Christ is coming back because he said it to be so, all right? When he comes back, he's coming to judge, Right? And that can be scary. Let me ask you this. Are you ready? What if you knew he was coming back tonight? Would you be ready for his return? If he was coming back tonight, would you live differently 
Would you make some changes? Maybe you would get into the word. Something that if you're like me, it's easy to procrastinate and say, I'll get to that. And you don't make it a priority. Man, if Jesus was coming back, I'd want to get in the word and get to know him before he showed up instead of after he showed up. I want to know him more. Would I do some more praying perhaps? If he's coming back in a matter of hours, would would I pray? Would I pray for the people? I don't know. And what I pray for the relatives I have that maybe live far away, perhaps even thousands of miles away, and they don't know Jesus yet, would I pray for them? That God, you might, you might change their hearts somehow, some way. Would I, would I beg? Would I plead? Would I get on my knees and just in, in a way that maybe I haven't done? I should, but maybe I haven't done before. God, would you please save them? Lord, I don't know how you do it, but Holy Spirit, convict their hearts, God, that they might turn to you? Would I, would I do those things? Would, would I give some stuff away? I know I can't keep it. Jesus is coming back in a few hours. I can't, I can't keep it. Would I give stuff away? God, you've given so much to me. God, maybe it's time that I would give stuff away and be generous like you've been so generous to me. Would I help people in the name of Jesus Christ? Because I've, I've, I've got a little time left. I could help someone and I could tell them, God's been so good to me. He's helped me. I want to help you with this thing. And I also want to help you and love you in this way as well. I want to tell you about Jesus. Would you evangelize like you've never evangelized before? That's a fancy word for simply this. It's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. Would you do that like you never have before? Listen, there's not much time. There's a little bit of time, but he's coming back. He did something. If, if anyone doesn't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, listen, there's, there's going to be a judgment when he comes back. And anyone who doesn't know him, they're going to perish. And it's going to be terrible. Please, please, please turn to him. All you got to do is believe. That's all you got to do. I'm just, I'm just pleading with you now. Would you receive Jesus as you say? I, I would do that like I've never done before if I'm honest. Would I say I'm sorry to anybody? There are relationships in each of our lives that aren't as good as they could be. And that's being pretty generous, right? I mean, some of them are downright terrible. Some of them are just non-existent. Somebody's wronged us. We have wronged them. There's this dissonance between us. If Jesus was coming back, would I try to make those things right? Would I try to repair? Would I try to recover parts of those relationships that, that could be fixed? Would I do that? I think the answer is yes for all of us. His patience is salvation. For the believer, that's our mindset. That needs to be our mindset. That's part of what Peter is, is telling us, all right? He's coming back. God, help me to live like it. And for the person who has not yet believed, or trusted, decided to trust in Jesus for forgiveness and for new life. Listen, Jesus is coming and judgment is coming and God doesn't want anyone to perish. No one. There's not much time. There's a little bit left, but there's not much time. Would you turn to him now? He died so that you could live. Admit that you can't save yourself. Believe that Jesus can save you and receive him as your savior. If that's you and you want to receive Jesus now, we're going to give the opportunity. 
Let's pray together. You, you, can, you can say this out loud. You can mouth it with, your, with the whisper that comes out of your mouth. You can just think it. Listen, all of those details aren't important, but if you believe in Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and you're ready to receive him out, let's do it. Let's pray. I'm a sinner. If you were to judge me right now, Lord, I'd be guilty and I would perish. And that's really bad news. I need you, Lord. I need your rescue. I need what you did on the cross for me. You died for my sins, Lord. Lord, and I'm asking you, would you make me clean? Would you make me new? Would you make me alive? And God, for all of us, this is our prayer. Help us to live life with you. Help us to live life for you. Help us to live a life, God, at peace with you, living a life that, that is like you. Help us to do those things, that we would be ready for your return. Lord, that we might even look forward to it, that we might anticipate it and be excited about it, not the judgment part, but God, what comes after. God, the righteousness, the new heavens, the new earth, things that are wrong, they're gonna be made right. God, help us to look forward to that day. And in the meantime, Lord, to you be the glory, both now and forever. God, be glorified in our lives and through our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love you guys. See you next week. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.